John chapter 16, continuing our study of the last words of Jesus to his followers before he goes to the cross and before he ascends to the Father. And tonight, it's all about the Holy Spirit. It's all about the ministry of the Holy Spirit and getting his disciples adjusted and beginning to get adjusted, if you will, and beginning to get their minds wrapped around this whole new life that they're going to have to do. Because up to this point, all they've had to do basically is follow the physical Jesus. And he's physically been with them, and so they've just followed him. When he goes back and he said, look, it's to your advantage that I'm leaving and going to to the Father. Because if I don't go, then the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, doesn't come. But obviously when he sends the Holy Spirit, the disciples then are going to have this transition period where instead of following Jesus physically, they're now in a sense going to be learning to follow him through walking in the Spirit, through living in the Spirit, through following, if you will, the prompting of the Holy Spirit. And so he's laying the groundwork and the foundation for that really right here tonight in these verses. And what Jesus lays out for us are the four primary ministries, the four primary uh, things that the Holy Spirit will focus on when he comes upon the earth in this new way. Because notice what Jesus says beginning in verse 8. He says, and when he comes, notice there too, Jesus refers to the Holy Spirit as a person. He, the Holy Spirit is not an impersonal force. The Holy Spirit is a person just like God. The Father is a person just like God the Son, Jesus is a a person. Three persons, the Trinity. And the Holy Spirit is a person person. He has personality. It's why we can grieve him. It's why we can quench him, you see. So Jesus uses the personal pronoun there to refer to the Holy Spirit. When he comes, we might say, well, wait a minute. If the Holy Spirit's God, which means he's omnipresent, isn't he already here? (laughs) What do you mean when he comes? He's already been. He's always been. All the way back to Genesis, he's the one that hovered above the waters and he was also part of the creation process along with God the Son and God the Father. Hasn't the Holy Spirit already been here? Yes, but not in this way. Up to this point, the role of the Holy Spirit was different. But now when Jesus goes back to the Father after the resurrection, the Holy Spirit is going to take on a whole new ministry. And his ministry now is not just to be with believers in Jesus Christ, but as Jesus pointed out, to be in them and to be in them permanently. In the Old Testament, the difference was the Holy Spirit would come on uh, believers, those who were, you know, of faith in God, uh, to enable them to accomplish certain things at certain times. But the Holy Spirit did not permanently indwell people in the Old Testament. It's one of the great advantages that you and I have as Christians today in the New Testament age on this side of the cross is that we have something that the Old Testament saints did not and that is the permanent indwelling of the Holy 
Spirit. So that's why Jesus starts out by saying, when He comes. And we know who He's talking about here because in verse 7, He talks about the advocate, the helper, the supporter, will not come unless I go and send Him to you. So notice the first ministry, if you will, or focus of the Holy Spirit when He comes in this new way. He says He will come and He will prove the world wrong concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. The words prove wrong here mean to bring to light with solid, compelling evidence. It means to press home a conviction or even to establish new convictions in people's lives. It's one of the primary ministries of the Holy Spirit to use the net translation to prove the world wrong. See, in God's love, God loves us enough to show us where we're wrong because one cannot be made right until one acknowledges that there's something wrong. That's why the ministry of the Holy Spirit is so important, so vital, even in our lives. We can't make things right as Christians unless the Holy Spirit convicts us and shows us what's wrong and what needs correction. And that's because He loves us. If He didn't love us, He just... Let us go and let us continue to do things that are self-destructive. But because He loves us, He's willing to prove us wrong and show us where we are wrong. To convict us, again, with compelling evidence. That's the main ministry of the Holy Spirit. Now, obviously, you know, as we think about this, you can understand why the Holy Spirit hits brick walls a lot and barriers because even we as believers don't like to admit or acknowledge when we're wrong. And His ministry is to prove the world that they're wrong. Because that's the only way that a person can even be brought to faith in Christ in the first place is for them to acknowledge that they are a sinner in need of salvation and a Savior. If one is not willing to acknowledge their sinfulness, then one can never be saved. So before one can be made right, one has to acknowledge they are wrong. You see. Thank God the Holy Spirit has come to prove the world wrong concerning sin, righteousness, and judgment. Now something here as well. Many times in the Bible, one thing that God taught me is that if I come across a verse and I want clarification about what God is trying to say, sometimes the best thing to do is to keep reading. Sometimes the context helps to amplify what God is saying and what God's intent is. And that's very true here. And that's why I wanted to point it out. Because notice, Jesus doesn't just leave it there. He's coming to prove the world wrong concerning sin, righteousness, judgment. Then notice what he does in the next couple of verses. He takes sin, righteousness, and judgment, and he puts his own focus on particular aspects of sin, righteousness, and judgment to clarify or amplify where Jesus is coming from here in regards to the ministry of the Holy Spirit. So notice, first of all, he says, concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Notice something very important here. The word sin is singular. 
He's not primarily going to convict the world of sins. Even though even you and I many times, when we think of sin, we think of sins. We think of those specific or particular sins that we have committed. But in God's economy and from God's perspective, there really is only one sin because every other sin is fueled or born out of the one sin. And the one sin that causes all other sins is the sin of unbelief. In fact, that's the only sin that causes a a person to be eternally separated from God. It's not, well, they did this sin or they did that sin. You can't find that in the Bible. There's nowhere in the Bible that says, now if you commit this particular sin, that means you're, you're done, you're cooked. No. What the Bible teaches is there's only one sin that keeps people out of heaven. And that's the sin of unbelief. And that's exactly what Jesus says here. He says, concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. You see, the world sins because it does not believe in Jesus. That's really, again, the foundation of it all. And can I back up a little bit and say to us, even as followers of Jesus Christ, that that's true in our lives as well when we sin, sins, that the reason we sin sins is because there's that moment where we really don't believe what God has said or revealed in his word. Because if we believed something or we trusted in it or we had confidence in what God said, then we wouldn't choose to sin that particular sin. All sins come from one sin. The sin of unbelief. Belief. And that is the primary sin that the Holy Spirit's going to zero in on. He wants to make sure that people understand that they need to believe in Jesus. In fact, notice that it, it really does center around the fact that every human being will make a decision about Jesus Christ, intentionally or unintentionally. Even Jesus said, if you're not for me, you're against me. And every human being that comes into the world has to make a decision about Jesus Christ. We cannot avoid that. We cannot be like Pilate and try to wash our hands and pretend like we're not responsible. Every human being is going to be held responsible for what do they think of Jesus. I think that's one of the reasons why Jesus turned to his own followers and said, What are people saying who I am? And of course they said, well, some of them say you're this prophet and that prophet or whatever. And then he turns to them and says, well, who do you say that I am? Because that's really the most important answer to a question we could ever give is, who do we think Jesus is? And of course, Peter said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus went on to say, flesh and blood did not reveal that to you, but my father revealed that to you. And so the Holy Spirit is really going to focus on that. Then he says, concerning righteousness. Well, in what context does he mean righteousness? Because I'm going to the Father and you will see me no longer. In other words, the righteousness here is in connection with Jesus. That he is vindicated. That he is proven right because the Father exalted him and put him at his right hand. And really... 
Jesus' invisibility at this point is actually proof of his victory. You see. Even though the disciples were troubled that we're not going to see you anymore, Jesus is trying to get them to see that, yeah, because you're not seeing me anymore, that means I conquered, I overcame, I'm victorious. You see. I went back to the Father. And, and so the Holy Spirit is going to show people that through the exaltation of Christ, through His resurrection, all that, it proved, it vindicated who Jesus really was. And again, in order to get them to believe in Him. See? So, so again, God is here, Jesus Himself is sort of clarifying what He means in this particular context about sin and righteousness. And then the same thing with judgment. Many different ways we could interpret or apply judgment, but Jesus gives us the way he wants it interpreted and applied in this particular instance. He said, and and the Holy Spirit is going to prove the world wrong concerning judgment because, he says, the ruler of this world has already been condemned. Jesus is saying, look, Satan has already been judged. He has been rendered powerless in the sense that the only power that He has over us is the power that we allow Him to because in Christ, He has no power over us. He has no claim to us in Christ. He's already been, if you will, dethroned and declawed and and taken down. And if we allow Satan to, in a sense, overcome us, overwhelm us. It's because we're giving Him that permission, but we never have to. Because because of the victory of Christ, He's already been judged. He's already been condemned. Through the cause of Christ, He's already been seen to be extremely wicked. And that He's on the losing side. And that all those who follow Satan rather than Christ will one day be on the losing side. This is what the Holy Spirit is trying to get people to see, you see. And so this is one of the Holy Spirit's primary ministries when he came at Pentecost. Was to begin to prove people wrong concerning these specific things. Again, to bring about repentance and faith in Christ, to get people basically to see Jesus for who He is. That He is the one to believe in. That He was righteous and was proven righteous and vindicated because He's went back to the Father and we see Him no more. And that this struggle, if you will, and battle between good and evil has already been decided. And that the ruler of this world has already been judged and condemned and put in his place. And in Christ, we don't need to give in to the devil any longer. So that's one primary ministry that Jesus spends a few minutes on trying to get his disciples to see this is what's going to happen. And I think that part of that is to try to again reassure them that, look guys, when I send you out into the world... It's not like you have to try to prove the world wrong. It's not like you have to try to convince them. The Holy Spirit will do this through you. You share the word. You live your lives the way you should live your lives. And the Holy Spirit will work through you and will be in you and will be out there in the world doing this. 
you see. That's why I try to get Christians to see when they're so apprehensive about sharing their faith and about evangelizing and telling people about about Jesus, especially people that don't know the Lord. They put so much pressure on themselves and we need to learn to rely more on the Spirit and to believe in the power of the Spirit and the ministry of the Spirit. This is what He came to do. And He can do quite a good job. And obviously He wants to work alongside of us and and have us partner with Him. But my friends, he's the one that's primarily going to bring about that conviction in someone's life. It's just like on Sunday or on Tuesday. You know, Nicole or I or anyone else up here, you know, whether it's with worship or the word or whatever, we're not trying to bring you to a certain place with God. God's going to do that. If we do what God's asked us to do, God's Holy Spirit will move and work and bring us all to a place and and work in our lives individually where we need Him to work. And that's what Jesus, I think, is trying to reassure His own disciples of here. And obviously, these things are things that they're not going to really... They're not going to really appreciate them fully now. But after Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit invades their life then these things are going to start being mindful of and it's really going to be an encouragement to them. And that's what Jesus is laying the foundation for here. Then notice verse 12. He says to his disciples, I have many more things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. Wow. Jesus says to his own followers, you're not in a state of mind to receive what I've got to say properly. So I'm going to back off and not say anymore. And I thought to myself, That's something that you and I need to think about as well as far as to apply that even to our own lives. That's why it's so important that we continue to grow and mature and keep ourselves in fellowship with Jesus because it keeps us in a place, if you will, and in a state of mind where when God wants to say things to us, we're in the proper state of mind to receive it. It's not good to be in a place like the disciples where God has things to say to us, but he doesn't say them because he knows that our state of mind is not in a place where we're going to take it and receive it properly. That's not a good place to be. And obviously we've all been there at times, but that's certainly not a place where we want to stay there. And obviously the disciples didn't stay in that state of mind either. They got over it and got to a place where they could, and, and here's the cool thing. What Jesus is just going to say here in a minute is that even though I can no longer talk to you about these things, when the Holy Spirit comes, he'll continue my teaching. And he'll start to teach you about the things that I wanted to teach you about, but you weren't ready for. That's why, it's, again, it's so important, folks, that we stay in that ongoing process of growth in our lives and continue to stay close to the Lord Because that's what keeps us in a place where we can continue to receive the things from God that he wants to talk to us about. If we don't stay there, then we end up in this place like the disciples where God wants to share with us, but he knows we're not ready. We're not in a good place where we will receive it and take it and apply it and use it. And so notice in the wisdom of God, he doesn't share it. 
And I think that even says a lot to us as Christians and as leaders of how we need to deal with others. Something God taught me a long time ago and continues to remind me of even as a pastor. There are times where I find myself in a conversation with somebody and through the leading of the Spirit, God's Spirit basically says, don't share anymore with them. They're not in a place where they are able to receive that particular truth. So stop. You've said all you could and should say to this point. Don't say anymore. Because we have to learn through the leading of the Spirit and through the wisdom, if you will, and the insight and the perception and the discernment that only can come from God, what we think is going to be received by others and where we think, you know what, and, and some Christians, they have a really hard time of just, not just saying everything and hoping that the people will receive it. Instead of being measured in what we say to people, knowing that they might not be in a place, just like the disciples, where they could receive it. And so Jesus didn't even just keep on going, did he? Even the Son of God said, there's no reason for me to continue to talk to you because I perceive that you're not in a good place to receive what I'm about to say. So it's a good example for us of how we should be with others. And I'm sure how others are with our, us at times as well. But notice what he says in verse 13. But when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. Here's the second major ministry or focus of the Holy Spirit. The first is to prove the world wrong or to convict, if you will, to shorten it. The second is to guide us, his disciples, his followers, into all truth. The word guide means to lead, to instruct, to teach. But here's an important point as well. By steady advance and progress. In other words, God leads us into all truth, but he does it progressively. He does it one step at a time. God doesn't dump all of his truth on us at one time. Again, so what does that show us? That shows us that a healthy spiritual life is an ongoing increase, an ongoing uh, growth, if you will, in our lives, a progressive advance step by step. Because the Holy Spirit's ministry in our life isn't going to be once I get saved that he just dumps all this truth. Because just like Jesus just said, no, no new Christian could handle all the truth of God up front. God progressively reveals his truth to us as he sees we are ready to receive it and able to handle it. And that's why we need to continue to grow and be on that that trajectory and that pathway of growth in our life because that's what the Holy Spirit will be on as well to guide us into all truth, you see. I will stunt the Holy Spirit's ministry of guiding and leading and teaching and instructing me if I don't continue to stay on that path of growth because it is absolutely progressive in nature. God builds upon His truth 
you know, one precept after another, one principle after another, stage by stage. As Paul said in 2 Corinthians 3, from one level of glory to another level of glory. That's always been the way of God. And so, let's again be encouraged that even though God calls people to teach us and to have the gift of teaching and to be teachers in our lives spiritually, that ultimately our teacher is not a human being. Our teacher, our instructor, in order to understand the Word of God, is the Holy Spirit. We must rely upon Him, ultimately, to grasp, to comprehend, to apply the Word of God to our lives. That's one of His primary ministries, to guide us into all truth. And He will not guide us if we're not into the truth. So that's why I tell Christians, we've we've got to get into the Word to allow the Holy Spirit the opportunity to guide us. And I'll I'll just say this, that's why I commend you all. Because I know that one of the main reasons you come to the Oasis is because you know what we're about, and we are about getting people into the truth of God. Which then allows the Holy Spirit the opportunity to guide us. If we're not a church in the truth, teaching the truth all the time, then again we limit and quench one of the primary ministries of the Holy Spirit. Next, he will not speak on his own authority or of himself, but will speak whatever he hears and will tell you what is to come. Third major ministry. Notice verse 14. He, the Holy Spirit, will glorify me, Jesus. The Holy Spirit is primarily not here to lift up the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is here to exalt and magnify Jesus Christ. His ministry is to get us to acknowledge who Jesus really is, to see His worth and His value. That's the ministry of the Holy Spirit. You and I will know as Christians when the Spirit of God is at work, when Jesus Christ is being lifted up, when Jesus Christ is being exalted, because that's the ministry of the Holy Spirit. He's the ultimate, even as God, the Holy Spirit, He's the ultimate behind-the-scenes minister. He's not here on earth primarily to draw attention to himself. He is here primarily to focus people on Jesus Christ and to get them again to acknowledge who he really is, to see his worth, to see his value. So you and I know when we are allowing the Holy Spirit to minister to us, whenever day in and day out, we see more clearly who Jesus is. And He becomes greater in our minds and in our lives. And, and, and he's, he's lifted up. He's elevated. He's mag- our opinion, our view, our estimate of Jesus continues to go higher and higher and higher. We know then that the Holy Spirit is working on us when that's taking place. When He is being glorified in our lives through the ministry of the Holy Spirit. 
the more elevated Jesus goes, the Holy Spirit is at work. And then finally, Jesus says, He will glorify me because He will receive from me what is mine and will tell it to you. Everything that the Father has is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will receive from me what is mine and will tell it to you. Notice something really cool here. The fourth and final major ministry of the Holy Spirit is to declare or manifest to us individually and corporately as the church the fullness of Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit wants to get us to see the fullness of Jesus. He will never take a human being. He will never take the church beyond Christ. What He seeks to do is always out of that which is Christ's, furnish the church and furnish us. He fully exhibits the fullness of Christ to fulfill His mission. And notice what Jesus says. He says, He will receive from Me what is Mine. And then Jesus goes on to say, Everything that the Father has is Mine. In other words, Jesus is saying, All the fullness of the Godhead is Mine. And so the Holy Spirit tries to declare and make manifest and make known in our lives just who we are in Christ and what we have in Christ, and that the fullness of Christ is now available to us through the Holy Spirit who lives within us. Because the Holy Spirit brings to bear upon our lives everything that Jesus has. And everything that Jesus has is everything there is. And He's trying to tell us about it all the time. Instead of us looking past Christ to someone or something else, the Holy Spirit tries to get us to stop in our tracks and just see Jesus. That's why I think it was so appropriate for us to sing about Jesus being the center of our lives tonight because that's really what the Holy Spirit's trying to get us to do, to focus on Jesus and to see that in Him is our all in all. We don't ever need to go beyond Jesus. We don't ever need to look past Jesus. He is all the fullness and we can live through the Holy Spirit out of Jesus' fullness every day. Which is why as Christians we don't ever need to feel or be empty in our lives. Because if the Holy Spirit lives within us and everything Jesus says that I have, He's going to make manifest and declare to us and disclose to us. And everything that the Father has is mine. And now I'm giving you the Holy Spirit. Jesus is trying to get us to see, oh my goodness. Why do so often as Christians, we live as if we're deprived and lacking whenever we have Jesus Christ Himself and through His Spirit living within us, the fullness of the Godhead available to us at all times. Which in closing, let's leave then John and we'll start up in John 16, verse 16 next week and go to the book of Colossians as we close tonight to these very familiar but very 
important and pertinent verses to what we've been talking about tonight. Colossians 2, 9 and 10. Colossians 2, 9 and 10, where Paul picks up this very same theme, if you will, and same truth and reminds the Colossians about this as well. Why the Colossians? Because the Colossians were being inundated by false doctrine. Doctrine which says even, well, you guys have Jesus, but you need something else besides Jesus. You need Jesus plus something. And Paul comes along in the book of Colossians and primarily declares, if you got Jesus, you don't need anything else. Nothing else. And here's what Paul sums up this argument with in verses 9 and 10. For in Jesus, in Him, all the fullness of deity lives in bodily form. In other words, Paul's trying to get us to see, look, there is nothing that we're lacking because we have Jesus Christ. And everything that God has is contained in Jesus. And so when Jesus sends into our lives the Holy Spirit to live within us, all that fullness now is available and comes to bear upon us. Which is why in verse 10, notice what he says. And you have been filled in Him. If we could just, as Christians, capture that truth and live out that truth every day, it would revolutionize our lives as believers. To think that everything the Father has, everything the Son has, everything the Holy Spirit has, the entire Godhead has, is available to us and contained, if you will, within us through the indwelling Holy Spirit. How is it that days can go by as Christians where we feel like we're empty? And we're lacking. And somehow we're deprived. And we keep looking for God to give us more. And God is saying to us, and Jesus was saying to His own disciples here before He left them, Guys, when I leave and go back to heaven, and I'm physically apart from you, you will lack for nothing. Everything that I have will be yours through the indwelling Holy Spirit. You can live in my fullness every day. And you can be filled up in me. And this is one of the primary ministries of the Holy Spirit in our lives. To declare to us, to keep telling us, to disclose to us the fullness that we could be living out of. Rather than looking around going, I got nothing. No, we've got everything because we've got Jesus. And so let's take time to think about what Jesus said here to his own followers and to us about the ministry of the Holy Spirit. 
And let's make sure that we're not grieving or quenching the ministry of the Spirit in our own lives and we are allowing Him to work and do in our lives what Jesus intended for His coming into our lives to do. And let's begin living out of the fullness that we have in Him. Let's pray. God, may we allow the Holy Spirit to truly make Jesus known to us every day. That even though, God, physically we can't see Jesus, God, we know that He can be as real to us and even more real to us than if we would see Him through allowing Your Holy Spirit to make Him real to us every day. To show us what we have and who we have in Jesus. There's no one greater, no one higher, no one more powerful, no one with more resources and more fullness than Jesus Christ. And we have Him. So God, as we walk with Your Spirit, as we go step by step with Your Spirit, Your Spirit will help us to see this. so that we can just live in a whole different way. Never feeling, God, like we're lacking something or deprived or in need of something, but actually knowing that everything we need, we've already got. Because we've got you, Jesus, and your Holy Spirit living within us. May we encourage others with this truth as well. Because God, there's even so many Christians today who live as if Jesus isn't enough. That they have Jesus or they claim to have Jesus, but they keep searching for something else. Lord, help us all to live and to see that if we've got Jesus, we've got all that we'll ever need. Go with us, God. Give us a good week. May we remember, God, to be on our knees in prayer for our our country on Thursday, on this National Day of Prayer, to pray for our leaders and just for our whole nation, God. And God, I just pray that you would use Nicole and I on Thursday to just bring Jesus to this group of people, a group of people, God, that normally probably would never come to church but are going to be there at this memorial service. Help us to be your light in their lives. And God, even now, be preparing our hearts for Sunday. For not only, Lord, having a day where we celebrate our mothers and motherhood, but God, where we 
have a day and an opportunity where we can come together as your people and celebrate you and hear from you. So give us a special week, God, and a special day on Sunday. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, guys, for being here. We'll see you next week.